Um, okay. So we talked yesterday about what um, my meditation teacher that I don't really know named Harbrock calls the three refuges. <laughs> um, and she's a Buddhist meditation teacher. So like I said yesterday, the languaging sometimes is a little bit different and the definitions of words can be a little bit different, but there's a lot of ways in which they're, um, they're the same. And um, the three refuges, if you think of refuges like where can I take refuge when I feel lost from myself, right? Where can I take refuge when I feel really disconnected from the truth of who I really am? Does that make sense to you, friends? And everyone, I think, especially if you're here and you're doing this practice, you know that feeling of disconnection when you start to feel unrooted and dispersed, right? And um, for a lot of us, I know from doing Raise of Hands that 2020 has been a feeling of dispersed energy so far. Has anyone else felt that? Yeah. <laughs> Giggles. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like the laugh where you're like. <laughs> um, and so I've been thinking about these three refuges because it's, it's, it's like, okay, well, I feel dispersed. Where do I turn to? And the first one is our own loving awareness. Right, And the second one is uh, Dharma, which we worked to define a little bit yesterday. I'll read you guys the definition that I, that I came up with is Dharma, the combo of like yoga and Buddhism, kind of the combo platter definition, is that which supports me as resting in the truth of this moment, that this moment right has everything that we need, this presence, and that that's Dharma. Um, and then the third refuge is community, right? And if you know anything about Martin Luther King, you know that community was a really, really big deal for the civil rights movement. And <clears throat> there was a term coined um, by, Jos what's the person's name? Josiah Royce in the early 20th century called beloved community. Have you guys heard this term before? No? Oh, it's awesome. Okay, so this, Martin Luther King had a vision and the civil, all the people involved in the civil right movement, rights movement had a vision. And it was based on the practice of nonviolence, right? And the aftermath of nonviolence was said to be beloved community. And he didn't think of it as sort of like this like um, utopian, you can look all of this up, it's fun. Um, he didn't think about it as sort of this utopian, unattainable vision of community. The way that he thought about it was like, no, this is achievable. Like this idea of beloved community is achievable, right? And you think about what you can do when you're with other people as opposed to just doing it by yourself, and it changes everything, right? So just even that simple idea. There was over the summer, um, I've been waiting to tell this story. Over the summer when it was really, really hot, do you remember in the very beginning of summer when it suddenly got hot? Do you guys remember that? And we had all of those 100 degree days and it was like no one was sleeping. We were all just kind of like oh, melting. Um, I was running around the lower reservoir at Mount Tabor and I see two people there nearly every single morning. I saw the woman there this morning and they I realized recently they, that they do walking meditation um, and they have beads around their wrists and I'm, cause I'm like, what are they doing? But they always walk separately. Like the woman walks way far ahead of the man, but they're together and they're doing some sort of walking meditation thing that I don't know anything about other than I've noticed. And on this particular day when it was really, really hot, um, she runs up to me. We've never interacted before. And she's like, you need to throw, <laughs> 
throw this duck over the fence into the water. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> and her English isn't very good. And I'm like, why do we need, what are we doing with this duck? But I'm suddenly like totally on board, right? <laughs> I'm like, we got to do something about this duck. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> but like now we're in this together with this duck. <laughs> And she is chasing, because I'd seen her chasing the duck, and I was like, I'm not sure what's going on. And she's like, she's like, look at the duck. And so I, I look at the duck, and I'm like, oh. And it had, like, um, like you could tell, like, dryness around its beak, and it wasn't looking very healthy. And she's like, this duck needs water, right? We have to save this duck. And so it doesn't end well. <laughs> but... but <laughs> But we, we, we spend a good amount of time, like a half an hour, of her trying to corral the duck. And she, she I don't know why I got nominated to be the one to grab the duck. <laughs> but I, so then I'm trying to grab the duck, but the duck didn't want me to, to be grabbed. And she just keeps saying, like, we have to throw the duck over the fence in the water. And we didn't end up, we finally gave up. We didn't end up having that happen, right? We didn't get to throw the duck in the water, so I don't know what happened to that poor duck. But the point is, is that, <laughs> is that there, like, there was this need that needed to be met. She didn't know me. I didn't know her, but it was instantaneous, the common purpose that happened around this duck, right? It was instantaneous. Nothing needed to happen other than, like, hey, you, come here, help me throw the duck in the water. Um, I volunteered on Saturday at the Oregon Food Bank. It's a special cause to my heart. In the 2008 recession, I owned a um, restaurant. And if you lived in Portland in 2008, you know that it was very difficult in the restaurant industry. Like, so many restaurants closed. Do you remember? Um, And I literally had to get food from the food bank because my family was so poor. And so I know what it is like to not be able to afford food. And so we went with my son's soccer team, and it was awesome. Um, and I think we're gonna do. We are gonna do a love hive thing. Um, and it felt like in, when you're doing it together with all of these other people, it feels so much more easeful, right? And the connection that you make with everyone there, you're acting in common purpose. Um, and it's uh, in yoga, we have a word for nonviolence. It's called ahimsa, um, and it starts in all spiritual traditions by not doing a violence to ourselves, right? And I think that the temptation with everything that is going on today with um, the fires in Australia, oh my God, Trump, um, like the election, like the language of um, division is really intense right now. And it can feel very tempting to want to take that on like, you're like, aren't you a little bit like, oh my God, what am I going to do about it? And I think of what we talked about some months ago about Swami Satchitananda, and he was asked at um, an event, what is the difference between illness and wellness? And he wrote the words on the board, and he said, he circled the I in illness and the we in wellness, Right? And that's the difference, is that when we are harmonizing the I with the we, that that's when great change is possible. And that's what, I mean, you guys know that, like, that's what we're doing here at the Hive. Like, that's what a Hive is, 
right? That's our purpose is to be in community and to make change. And every single one of you, no matter what you're doing in your life, has the capacity to be able to show up in love and in nonviolence to yourself and to others. Make sense? Um, I have a list of all of this other stuff, but I think we'll pause there and maybe we'll work it in later. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> I'm like, now I do long Dharma talks. <laughs> Bring your hands to your heart center. Hmm.